morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome those who are joining online, first of all. Who do we have uh, joining? Uh, the Nose and Andre. The Nose. Nose and Andre. I think Andre is right outside. He's not feeling com completely well, but he wanted to join us. Uh, we also have, uh, we have uh, Stephanie, Natalie, and Naomi joining us. We'd like to welcome you again. I got a text from Pastor Leo. He's doing well in uh, Indonesia already. Uh, already running there, serving serving the Lord. Anybody else uh, need to be recognized here? Okay. Uh, would someone like to have a word, an encouragement, a prophecy, a testimony that you would like to share? If so, um, now is the time. If not, let's pray. Father, we come as your children. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill this place. We proclaim the promise that when two or three are gathered, and we have more than that here, Jesus, you are here in our midst. And we lift up the name of Jesus and all men, women, children are gathered under Jesus, who is our head. Father, we pray that you would speak to us in a way that we can understand. We pray that you would fill this place in our hearts with joy. Teach us how to be joyful, overflowing Christians. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please turn with me to John chapter 11. We'll read about... Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. It is a Passion Week, and uh, most likely we'll have a Good Friday service um, probably here. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll have we'll have we'll have some announcements uh, that we'll send your way this week. Uh, last week we we had a kind of a God painted a. a a big vision and a dream of what uh, Hill Community could be as an expression of our desire for, of what we desire the Universal Church of God to be. Uh, today, I think the Lord is going to bring us very, uh, very practical, and I think this is a good message going into Passion Week. I think it'll give us things to chew on, and um, we'll have a chance to examine our hearts at the end of this service. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We know this family quite well. Uh, and it even mentions here one of the most famous accounts of this family. 
Uh, Jesus visited visit them uh, previously, and so this is a family that is very close to Jesus. Uh, they all know each other quite well. Uh, and Martha is, is famous for that time when she is, um, feels the pressure of impressing Jesus and all the dinner guests, and she's working really hard. And here's Mary, who is sitting at Jesus' feet, and we even sang about that today. And as I go on in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And we might think it's odd that Jesus heard that Lazarus, Lazarus was ill, and instead of um, springing into action, he stays another two days. This just, this just reminds us that God's timing and our timing are not always in sync. Uh, we want God to, be, uh, to answer us right away. Uh, we want the answers always to be positive. Uh, we get frustrated when, when the answers do not come, or it's not the answer that we want, or God's very slow in answering. And so this just reminds us that there, is, there are reasons for the delay, and Jesus will give the reasons here. He said one of the reasons uh, that God delays his answer is so that in the delay, there is glory that is going to be revealed. And we may be going through some difficulties in life, and we get frustrated that why isn't God just coming through? Why isn't he just healing? Why isn't he just providing? Why do I have to go through a season of, of waiting? And could it be that one reason is that there is glory to be revealed on the other side. There are other reasons, but here clearly the reason is that Jesus wants to display the glory of God and to be glorified himself. Jumping down to verse 17. Now when Jesus came, this is two days later, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Um, actually, more than two days have passed. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. But Mary said to Jesus, Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would not have died. And jumping down, that's Martha's reaction. Jumping down to verse 32, we see Mary's reaction, which is almost identical. It says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When things don't happen um, according to our plans, or when tragedy hits, what comes out of our mouth, I think, speaks volumes. And Martha and Mary are saying the same thing. Lord Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And I think we do this uh, quite often, that when things do, do not go our way, uh, when there is a delay, uh, when there is a tragedy, when there is a trial, when there is a difficulty, we say, Lord Jesus, if you had been here, then blank. This person would not have died. This person would not have fallen sick. I would have not lost my job. I would have a great time at school. There's so many things we... we, we, uh, we uh, whether we speak it aloud or just grumble or murmur in our heart, all this comes out, and we're seeing here uh, um, uh, what, what's in the hearts of Martha and Mary. 
And what is faith? Faith, we know, means I trust in Jesus. And did you know trust in Jesus has a sound? Did you know that uh, when you do not trust in Jesus, faithlessness, when you do not trust, it also has a sound. Here it is. Martha and Mary are speaking faithlessness in this situation. Because we know, if, if we fast forward to the end of the story, is anything impossible for God? Is anything too difficult for God? Even a dead person, is Jesus unable to raise this person from the dead? But at this point, this thing to, to Martha and Mary seems too difficult that Jesus, you cannot help me in this situation. If you had been here earlier, this would not have happened. Now it's too late. This is faithlessness. This is somebody who says, I trust in Jesus on a Sunday, but throughout the week, what comes out, the murmurs, even the unspoken uh, things in our heart, it speaks of really when it comes down to it, in the practical details of life, we do not trust in Jesus. What is the sound of faith? The sound of faith. When you really trust in Jesus, because all of us here, we say we're people of faith. We say we trust in Jesus. What does it, what does it sound like? What does it look like to be a person of faith? I think the sound of faith is thanksgiving. When you, have, when you have a thankful heart and you actually express it, to me that is, that is proving to God and proving to yourself that you indeed are a person of faith. When you're able to give thanks in all circumstances, that is what it means. That is the sound of faith. And when you can give thanks in a tragedy, you know, okay, that person has faith. I have faith because when everything around me is crumbling, when my world is falling apart, when the person that I love, my brother, has just passed, in that moment, if you can give thanks, then you are displaying to God and to the world and to yourself that you are a person of faith. Faith is, you can hear it. Faith, you can see it. And we know the rest of the story. Jesus indeed raises Lazarus from the dead. And then in chapter 12, there is a, another celebration. Six days, uh, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Not only can you hear faith through thanksgiving, you can also see it. Here we're seeing faith being lived out. It is, it is all about gratitude. You see it through the lips. You can see it through the actions. Why is Mary uh, uh, doing this extravagant act? It is an act of gratitude for what Jesus did uh, for her brother, Lazarus. There's something about the human heart um, that it is so hard for us to be grateful. Of course, when things go well, we can be grateful, but how long does that gratitude last? I think it lasts that day, maybe that week, 
maybe that month, but quickly, whatever great blessing that God gives to you, it quickly disappears. And many, many things may be going well for us, but the human heart gravitates. This is our fallenness. It gravitates to the one thing that is not going well. And it amplifies it. It, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and somebody looking in to your life would say, wow, that person is blessed. But when you look in your heart, you don't feel it. And the gratitude does not come out. Because there's one thing wrong in your life and there's a hundred things going well. But that one thing that's wrong makes it impossible for you and for me to give thanks because that thing becomes all-consuming. That is the human heart. We think everybody else, like if I were in that person's shoes, I would be thankful. If I were in that person's shoes, I would be thankful. And then you talk to that person that you think should be thankful and blessed, and, they, and gratitude just doesn't come out. They, they, they complain about the one thing that's going wrong. Did you know, I think it is possible that if you, if you receive what I'm about to give to you today, you'll, have a, you'll never have a bad day in your life. If you receive what I'm about to give to you, you will never, ever have a bad day in your life. Some people just have a pessimistic outlook. The, ha- the glass is always half empty. It's never full. It's never close to being full. There's always something I'm lacking. There's always something I'm missing. That's how they do life. And today, I think, is a secret of being thankful in all circumstances, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Certain people, there's just joy. And you wonder, how did that person become joyful? How is the joy of the Lord their strength? How did they become this kind of person that you just want to be around them? It's not because everything is going well in their life. If you talk to them, they can give you many things that's going wrong in their life. But there's just a joy that overflows. Like, what is it about this person? They're believing something. Although, they, although I say I have faith, they also have faith, but there's something that's different between the two of us because that person, like if I were in that person's shoes and I had the, the list of things that this person is going through, I would find plenty of things to complain about. But why is this person joyful? Joy doesn't happen overnight. You have to build into it. And I think the way you build into it is by being grateful. You have to sow gratitude. Um, if you just resolve in, in, uh, right now and commit for the rest of your life going forward that no matter what, in every circumstance, by default, I'm going to give thanks. If you just commit to that, I think over time, you will change. Your circumstances may not change, but you will change. And if you are that kind of person that you just readily give thanks, I think in, in, 
over, the, over your lifetime, people would say, oh, that person has joy. I think that is the secret of joy. If you just commit in every circumstance, I am going to be grateful. There's, I will never have a bad day in my life. I have Jesus Christ. I, what more do I need? Everything else is bonus. If, if you just resolve in this moment, all the little things that bother you, all the little things that rob you of joy, because Satan is stealing your joy away. And he's closing your mouth, preventing you from giving thanks. And he's fixating you on the one, two, three things that are going wrong or that could be better, could be improved. And you're consumed with that. And there are hundreds of things. If you just took your eyes off of that and you just started giving thanks for the hundreds of things that God has blessed you with, how over time we'd become joyful people. Rejoice always. Like we read that and say, I can't do it. How do, you, how do you become a person who rejoices always? The secret is there. It says pray without ceasing. Okay, I pray, but I stop praying. How do I pray without ceasing? With joy. The secret is giving thanks in all circumstances. If you and I commit to this, I can tell you, you, you and I will become joyful always in every circumstance. We'll, be, we'll, we'll never stop praying because because prayer is just giving thanks most of the time it's it's repentance when you can't give thanks and then the other side is when you're able to give thanks then it's without ceasing prayer becomes easy because you have hundreds of things in any given day to give thanks you can give thanks for the sun you can give thanks for for freedom you can give thanks for clean water you can give thanks that you're living in the best country on this world you you can give thanks for so many things you have a roof over your head just just go through, just open your eyes to all the things, the family, the friends. There's never going to be a shortage. You will pray without ceasing if you learn how to give thanks. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Be thankful, give thanks in everything, give thanks. It is a secret of joy. If you and I can commit that no matter what I experience on any given day, I give thanks. Instead of being like Martha and Mary, Jesus, if only you were here. Jesus, if only this, this bad thing didn't happen because you, you let it happen. Instead of having that kind of a heart, because if you have that kind of heart, you'll be, instead of thanking God always, praying unceasingly, you'll be grumbling all unceasingly, saying, Jesus, where were you? How could you drop the ball? How, how come you didn't come here? And how could you let this happen? Instead, a, a, a person of faith says, in all circumstances, I'm going to give thanks. When children give thanks to their parents, and if you are a parent, you understand what I'm about to say. When children give thanks to the parents, it just melts the parents' hearts. When you have to twist arms of, of the children, and if you have to remind them, give thanks, how come you don't say thank you? It doesn't feel good, 
But still, we're trying to train them to be respectful, to be grateful, to notice what mom is doing around the house and, and picking up and cleaning and cooking and doing all these things and what dad is doing to provide and to protect and to discipline. Just imagine how joyful the household would be if children gave thanks to the parents and parents gave thankful thanksgiving for the, for the children. Um, Instead of being frustrated with parents being frustrated with the kids, kids being frustrated with the, with the parents, what if we just said, thank you, Lord, for giving me this child. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this father, for giving me this mother. What if we had that attitude? Think of how the environment at home would be different. Instead of focusing on all the things that the child is doing wrong, all the things that the parents could be doing better, it's an endless list Jesus, how come you're not doing this for my child? How, Jesus, how come you're not doing this uh, for, my, uh, uh, for my parent? Be, be, and, and all of this criticism comes out. Jesus, if only you changed them. Jesus, if only you did this. And, and we can focus on our spouse and our, our, the parenting and our children and all the things that are wrong. Instead, what if we just said, thank you, Lord, for my spouse? They're not perfect, but thank you, Lord, for my spouse. My children, they're not perfect, but thank you, Lord, for my, for my children. Dad and mom, thank you, Father, for giving me dad and mom. Imagine if that is your heart. It would change the way you look at them. You would, say, you would see things in them that maybe it's still rough around the edges, but when God gets a hold of their heart, Think of all the fruit that will blossom. It's, it's an attitude shift. If you just say, I'm going to be thankful, uh, even for the rough edges, because inside I see there's something beautiful that in God's timing, he's going to pull out. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sow into that person by being thankful around them, and hopefully they will be thankful. Colossians 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. While we are watchful, prayerful, the attitude that we should have is gratitude. With thanksgiving, let your prayers be sprinkled with so much thanksgiving. If you run out of things to pray, then thank God for something that you see that you remember, that you recall. And it should be a long, long list. So your prayers immediately can go from one minute to five minutes to 10 minutes to 15 minutes. If you, if you think this way, that I should give thanks to the Lord uh, for today, I should give thanks to the Lord for these hundred things, your prayers will get longer and, and you will be watchful in your prayers and it will be the, with the attitude of thanksgiving. You know, there's a difference between somebody who has faith and says, I trust in Jesus and is sprinkled with a lot of thanksgiving versus somebody who just says, I, I, I believe and I should be, uh, I trust Jesus. I should be a person of faith and you just bare white knuckle it and you just grit your teeth and there's zero gratitude and you say, well, I have faith. I'm holding on to Jesus. There's something quite different, and the, and the missing ingredient is gratitude. If gratitude is there, if, if, a, if, a, if a, a flawed parent, it, heart melts when a child just says, unprompted, just says, thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad. Think about what our Heavenly Father must feel 
when when our ch when when uh, the our prayers are are peppered and seasoned with so much thanksgiving. Think of how God's heart must must go out to such a prayer and to such a person. And also think about if you just say, well, I just believe it doctrinally. I'm committed to Jesus. I'm going to hold on to it. Gratitude doesn't come out. Think of the blockage that may form in our relationship with God. Um as our heart gets hardened toward God and God um, maybe doesn't even listen to a prayer that is not seasoned with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We have many requests. We need jobs. We need discernment. We need provision. We need uh, an A on the test. We need a. We need uh, God to come through uh, for so that I can meet this deadline at work. We have we have a promotion that's on the horizon. We have all of these requests, but the attitude with which we pray matters a great deal. Like if you are restless, if you are like kind of annoyed that God is so slow and you're, you're asking again and again, you're just being persistent because you know biblically that's what you need to do and there's zero gratitude and you just keep on doing it and you're dutifully doing it. I mean, that, you could say that's prayer and, and that's commendable on some level, but, but shouldn't the requests we, we give be uh, with thanksgiving? Not that he's uh, being grateful for the things he's already given. Instead of our greed taking over and instead of focusing on what he's already given, we, we get consumed by this request. This thing becomes all-consuming and because he doesn't give it, the longer he holds back, we get annoyed and we get frustrated, we get restless and, and, and gratitude is the last thing that would characterize that kind of prayer. Instead, as we give the requests, because maybe the Lord won't answer it. Maybe his answer is no. Are we going to get bothered? Are we going to get frustrated? Maybe his answer is wait. Are we going to get impatient? We don't know the request and the answers and the way that God is going to answer. We don't know how he's going to answer. We don't know if he's going to answer. We don't know when he's going to answer it. So the whole time you're lifting up these requests, does it mean we have nothing to give thanks? Or should we already give thanks for the things he's already given in Christ, salvation, eternal life? Shouldn't we already give thanks for, for a church community and brothers and sisters and family and friends? Shouldn't we already give thanks instead of fixating on these requests and why I'm lacking because I don't have these things? Shouldn't we give thanks for already what He has given to us? And even if the answer is no or wait, does that mean there's never going to be gratitude until He answers? Because if He answers and, you're and you have this kind of a heart that doesn't give gratitude until the answer comes, how long will that gratitude last? A day? A week? A month? And then the rest of the year, you have all these other requests that you're making and you're not grateful? Is that the kind of heart that God wants? Is that what we are happy with? Will that result in joy in the end? Or should we just say, I have these needs. I have these requests. Instead of emotionally being consumed by them, let me just, let me just be grateful. 
let me just sprinkle my prayer with a lot of gratitude. May my prayers become, grow into becoming unceasing because I start giving thanksgiving for even the littlest thing. Over time, even if the circumstances don't change, I think God can change us. And if God changes us and we are grateful, if you've been around somebody who just is so grateful, it, it's like for the littlest thing, they're just saying thank you. There's just such a joy to be around. That is, I think, the secret of joy. People who just regularly have committed themselves, I've given thanks, and they've done it so long that their heart has changed. And because I think, I think that, is how, that is the sowing that we did of years and years of just committing to give thanks until our heart changed. And then we start reaping uh, the joy that comes from sowing thanks. Galatians 6 says, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh Will, will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And as we uh, stop sowing to the flesh, because the flesh is, is our mind, will, emotions, our body, and so, you know, somehow in our fallenness, it, it just it feels somehow weirdly comfortable to wallow in self-pity or complaint or to, to just be frustrated or to be depressed. There's something weirdly like uh, comforting in that. And you can indulge in these emotions. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit there like a like a pig in the mud. I'm just gonna be depressed, and I'm gonna just indulge in this. And I'm just gonna sit in my in my this mud and manure. To me, that is that is sowing in the flesh when we grumble, uh, when we complain, when we are frustrated, when we're impatient. These are things that rob us of joy. We're actually sowing this into our life when we when we think this way, when our emotions move this way. We're 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 sowing into the flesh. Instead, we sow into the spirit, and of course, there's eternal life. But does that mean until eternal life, we're miserable? That doesn't make sense because the principle is what you sow, you reap. It's not just eternally you reap uh, uh, eternity with God. That is not just, that is not the final, that is not the only thing that we have to look forward to. Like I'm miserable until Jesus takes me. That's, that is a, that's, that's a, really a distorted Christian life if, if you do not have abundance today. So that means if you sow today Thanksgiving, today, tomorrow, or whenever, once it clicks, you will reap joy in this life. As it, Jesus promises in John chapter 10, your life now, presently, can be f- abundant, can be full of joy. You have to commit that no matter what happens in life, I am going to, be, to sow thanksgiving into my life. 2 Corinthians 9, I'll end with this. Verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
Of course, this chapter is about finances. You saw, uh, the Apostle Paul says, there's a church in need. Can you give finances? And don't be, don't be begrudging, but do it cheerfully. So this chapter is about finances. But the principle, I think, still stands. That if you sow a little bit of gratitude in your life and a lot of grumbling, complaint, and frustration, you will reap that in this life. You may reap eternal life because you're a person of faith, but in this life, you'll be miserable. But if you say, I will sow generously thanksgiving, I'm not going to just give thanks for one thing, two things, five things. Every day, as, as, as often as I remember, as I have eyes to see, I want to give thanks for hundreds and hundreds of things on any given day. And you sow generously. In this life, I believe you and I will reap bountifully a harvest of joy. And Satan can throw whatever trial your way. It will be nothing to you because you're, you've been so guarded by a lifetime of being thankful that he can take everything away. In that moment, can you give thanks? Or will you be like Martha and Mary and say, Jesus, if only you had been here, this would not have happened. That is not faith. Faith is in, on your worst day when somebody in your life dies and you have no guarantee that Jesus is going to show up and do a miracle and raise that person from the dead. In that moment when you lose your most precious loved one, can you give thanks? That is what we're growing into. That is what we're building toward, to be that kind of a person. And if you've done this your whole life, Satan can throw the kitchen sink at you. You will not be overthrown because you've done it for years and years, years. You've been changed. There's actually joy that is almost like a shield, a strong tower. You're, you're, uh, you're, you, have a, you're, um, you have a protection and Satan cannot come after you if you've sown thanksgiving and you will reap joy. Okay, let's pray. Father, forgive us. We've lived wrongly. We can count on one hand how many times we give thanks to you on any given day or any given week. But there are countless moments when we grumble and murmur, complain, we're frustrated, we're impatient, we're depressed. We fixate on the circumstances and the last thing we want to do is to give thanks. Forgive us. Our hearts are unable to give thanks. Forgive us. Our hearts are not right. On this Passion Week, as we begin, we want to start by examining the state of our heart. Why is it that we cannot give thanks? What is wrong with us that even though we have Christ, even though our eternity is secure, we cannot give thanks something is, is wrong with us, Lord. Thank you for giving us a way forward. We want to commit from this day forward for the rest of our days to give thanks in all circumstances. 
We want to sow generously thanksgiving all over our lives, all over our families, in every circumstance. We want to just pour out the thanksgiving so that we can reap the joy of the Lord, which will be our strength. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you minister to us as we partake in the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.